Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Every so often, we all need a little encouragement, some words to capture our mind, engage our heart, and enliven our spirit. And that's my intention with this podcast. It's an opportunity for you to take a few minutes out of your busy day and listen to what I hope is thought-provoking and empowering content. Each week, my guests and I share stories, challenges, and vulnerabilities, as well as tips and insights on a whole range of topics all with the aim of helping us to live in a more soulful, authentic and integrated way. So thank you for tuning in. Let's jump into this week's episode. This week's episode was inspired by a quote I came across recently on social media. You know me, I love a good quote, words containing deep meaning or profound truth communicated in a crisp and concise way. This quote was uncredited, so I don't know its source, but I suspect it won't be the last time that I share it. So the quote was, leadership is not about being in charge. Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge. So these words clearly distinguish between two contrasting approaches to leadership. I often emphasize these different mindsets at the start of leadership workshops I facilitate, I'll ask attendees, are you here because you're looking for techniques so you can get your staff to do what you want them to do? Or are you curious about discovering how you can engage the hearts and minds of your colleagues to create a positive and productive working environment? Modern leadership is all about the latter because in today's complex world, no one person has all the answers. And especially in service and knowledge-based industries, you're seeking to harness the potential of the people who volunteer their skills, experience and knowledge every day. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you've probably tuned into my conversation with Charlie Swords a few weeks back. We discussed her book, Dare to Be a Revolutionary Leader, which has the theme of people are the solution, so change your leadership style. I loved how Charlie distinguished between leadership and management. Uh, She said, you manage processes and systems, but you lead people. As I've said before, management as a discipline is only as old as the Industrial Revolution, where unskilled labourers came off the land into factories and were managed like extensions to the machines they operated. Leadership has existed for as long as humans have walked the earth, gathered in tribes and marched into battle. In organisations today where people are expected to apply their skills, knowledge and initiative, not to mention uh, the new complexities of hybrid working, effective leadership is required more than ever. The role of a leader, the job of managing people, is not an easy one. As the title of this week's episode suggests, it's multifaceted, mirroring the many different dimensions of the role. As I often say, today's leaders have to be equal parts accountant, visionary, counsellor and cheerleader, and that list is growing. Before I share my take on the essential qualities of an effective modern leader, let me share some general thoughts based on my experience of not only having studied leadership as part of my MBA, but having read continuously on the topic over the last 20 years and worked with countless leaders of all guises and abilities across sectors and industries. As an executive coach and trainer, I've witnessed the good, the bad and the ugly when it comes to leadership and people management. But as I always emphasise, no one sets out to be a poor leader. Everyone does their best with the resources, the knowledge, experience and self-awareness at their disposal. 
Some individuals excel as people managers, achieving results for their organisations, whilst inspiring loyalty in those fortunate enough to work with them. If we are lucky, we'll have encountered some of these uplifting individuals in our working lives. They are the managers we remember for all the right reasons. They were probably mentor figures to us, someone who we felt was in our corner and who wanted the best for us, and in return we gave our best. Other leaders enhance their effectiveness by learning on the job. They are open and willing to broaden their skill set, acknowledging that true leadership has little to do with a job title. Some managers fall victim to the Peter principle, promoted to the point of incompetence. We've all seen that the great salesperson who makes a poor sales manager or the star team player who still hugs the limelight when promoted to team leader. Other people, managers and leaders do what they can in challenging circumstances. Those circumstances can be a culture of outdated leadership modalities and styles or a workforce bruised from past battles and weary of the revolving door of new management. I've come across many of these leaders, especially in my executive coaching practice. They are full of heart and good ideas, but feel like they are fighting an uphill battle all the time. They can spend as much time managing upwards as they do their own teams. They are the buffer of frustrations from below and the refuge collectors for the rubbish, and that's the polite word, that is hurled at them from above. Then, of course, there are those managers who are simply in the wrong role. Their skills, personality are more aligned with subject, product or process expertise. In short, some people should never manage others. Some of the most effective large companies I've worked with acknowledge that career advancement can take two forms. People management, where you move up the traditional hierarchy, managing teams, then bigger teams and so on. This is the traditional promotion route in most organisations. But some companies also recognise product or systems expertise, where your advancement is based on in-depth knowledge. In most organisations, however, it's a combination of the two, and therefore the effective leader must straddle both. Knowledge and expertise, which is the skill that will have allowed them to climb the career ladder, the skill that got them to the door of being a people manager. And then when they walk through that door, they must learn the skill of moving from individual contributor to team leader, where their role is now to achieve with and through other people. I often compare this to the skill of being an excellent car driver. But now, in addition to driving your car, you have to develop the ability to teach others how to drive cars, whilst ensuring all cars are going in the same direction. Going back to our opening quote, leadership is not about being in charge. Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge. You know, in the past, management was seen as having power over others. The mentality was do this because I'm the boss. Rather than this sentiment communicating power over others, I always think that utterance, uh, you know, really only advertises poor leadership and communication skills. In today's complex world, and especially in organisations seeking to harness the full capability of their staff, management is about empowerment. As Brené Brown says, it's not power over, uh, but power with. An effective manager will establish an environment and processes that allows and encourages people to do good work. In addition to ensuring employees have the resources and skill set required to carry out their tasks, they facilitate their personal growth coaching them to reach for their potential, thereby expanding the potential of the organisation. 
When we dig a little deeper into the role of the modern people manager, there are so many seemingly paradoxical skills that, the, that modern managers have to balance. Seeing the bigger picture whilst retaining attention to detail. In other words, being adept at both the macro and the micro, the strategic thinking and the daily realities. This involves scanning different time horizons, positioning for the long term, but still doing what needs to be done in the short term. I often phrase it as eyes scanning the horizon, but we can't have our heads in the cloud. At the same time, our feet are firmly in the present, but we're not stuck in the mud. Leadership is all about making decisions. Now, just think of a person in authority who avoids decisions, thereby creating uncertainty and a lack of direction. Making tough decisions is an essential part of leadership, but at the same time, the leader has to remain empathetic and open to alternative perspectives. Leaders don't need to know all the answers, but they do need to know what questions to ask and where to find the answers. Slavishly following the latest management fad reduces credibility. Management techniques are not magic mantras, but tools to be reached for at appropriate times. Seek the wisdom of the experts, but always use your own judgment. Leaders also have the tricky task of navigating a path between the reality of the balance sheet and people's feelings. This is often the critical junction between the rational, logical brain and the empathetic heart. And that's a tough space to inhabit and causes stress and inner conflict for so many leaders. When I work with people in this area, this is often a tension that we explore. Coaching conversations in this space usually revert to values, both the leader's individual values and the values of the organisation. Just as in personal life where values inform our motivations and decisions, so too in the corporate world. But I'm not talking about buzzwords on posters. I'm talking lived or espoused values, where we look at the issue through the lens of qualities such as integrity or respect. Another balancing act for leaders is learning to delegate responsibility, but not to abdicate it. In addition, they have to stay up to date on issues impacting their industry, but then communicate what that information means for their colleagues and other stakeholders. These days, a lack of information is not the issue in most organisations. Making sense of that information is. So good leaders discern information for their people, highlighting what they need to focus on, what that means and why it is important. Of course, leaders have to lead by example, while simultaneously encouraging others to shine. So it's no wonder, you know, that it can appear these days that leaders have to be part accountant, visionary, counsellor and cheerleader. You know, without a doubt, today's leader and people managers have a lot on their plate. So what are some of the areas we can lean into if we're seeking to enhance our leadership skills? Well, before I share some tips, I want to emphasise that leadership is not just about being in charge of a team or having supervisory authority. Even if you've no direct reports, maybe you run your own business, you work from home, or even if you're in career transition, we are all the leaders in our own lives. Leadership starts with the constituency of one, ourselves. If I think of my own situation, I don't have any direct reports. My approach has been that I lead projects, you know, whether that's a project that's called my website or my podcast or a new book. I work with other professionals in these areas. I determine desired outcomes, the key deliverables. I create clarity of roles and responsibilities, and I know the pitfalls to avoid. I also set the pace and I ensure that my decision-making is timely and clear. These are all leadership qualities. 
We might also see ourselves as thought leaders, someone who has insights and experience to share for the benefit of others. If we run our own business, or if we are invested in our own career development, we will also have an eye on different time horizons, what we want to achieve in the short, medium and long term. And for all the coaches tuning in, remember coaching is a key style of leadership, supporting, encouraging and challenging others to reach for their potential. So what are some of the areas we can pay attention to when we are seeking to enhance our leadership skills? This is a vast area and something I could devote every episode of my podcast to. Uh, But for this week, for today, I'm going to uh, go through seven. So the first one is having a a vision for your role, for your department, for your business, uh, a sense of direction. So countless companies have devoted considerable resources to developing mission statements and value statements. And these all look good on posters, on canteen walls, but they're seldom relevant to staff's lived reality. What does work is when a manager has a vision for the business, for their department, for their organisation, for their role. Or if you run your own business, which I know many of you tuning in do, it's contemplating what's my vision for my business? What does success look like? How do I define success? The purpose of vision is to shape narrative, to tell an inspiring story, which when repeated consistently, influences the conversations that take place in boardrooms, corridors, water coolers, meetings of all types. It's also a source of motivation for ourselves and for others. As I often say, current challenges will push us forward, but a clear vision will also pull us. And without uh, a vision to pull us, the push factors will only take us so far. The second point to remember if we're looking to boost our leadership skills is to never lose sight of the fact that as a leader, your role is to achieve with and through others. Managers who lack emotional intelligence or effective communication skills will always struggle. Why? Well, managers only achieve with and through other people. It's a point I cannot emphasise enough. A key aspect of every management role is to provide clarity and certainty, to determine what's important, what should get people's attention and what shouldn't. Without well-honed communication skills, without the ability to discern information, without the ability or the willingness to listen, to check for understanding and to adjust messages for different audiences, staff engagement and alignment behind company vision will remain wishful thinking. One of the challenges all new people managers face is moving from individual contributor to achieving through others. High achievers used to making great individual contributions will have developed beliefs such as if you want to get something done well, do it yourself or it's quicker for me just to do it. You know, we continue to fish without teaching others how to fish and that is exhausting. The third point I'm going to speak about is is sort of a made up word. It's processizing. So let me take you through this. Good management is a continuous process with many moving parts. We know that. And to manage anything, you have to be able to measure it. We probably know that too. But it's easy to assess tangible results against budget and strategy. But what are the measurements for effective management and people management? It will be different across companies as all management is contextual. But it will be a combination of what is achieved and how it is achieved. One successful company I've worked with over several years developed the idea of turning as many of their effective practices into processes. Business processes, of course, are the bedrock of the functioning of any business. It's how things get done. 
A few years ago, business process re-engineering was all the rage, where organisations look to streamline how they do business, removing blockages, reducing the steps involved in getting a product to market or delivering a service. I was involved in a few of those projects myself over the years. One company I worked with has almost developed this mantra of how can we turn this into a process. Process eyes was the term coined. If something worked well, could it be documented to create a best practice uh, to share with other parts of the business? I remember sitting in on one management meeting that was discussing the performance appraisals within a division. It was a constructive meeting in itself, but one of the participants undertook the task of noting what worked well. They put a few bullet points together, made a little process, as it were, so other management teams in the organisation could be guided by their approach. The focus is not solely on what we are doing or achieving, but how we are doing it. It's competency development at a group level so that the outcomes can be replicated in the future. Distinction number four for boosting our effectiveness as a leader is viewing the role of a leader as being the chief disorganiser. So if the last point was about processes and organisation as a further demonstration of the paradoxical roles of the leader or the tensions that a leader must manage, this point is about the leader as the disorganiser, someone who consistently challenges the status quo and encourages others to do likewise. We all know that old phrase, if it ain't broken, why fix it? Of course, that is the slogan of the complacent, the arrogant or the downright scared. In the mindset, it's the mindset that assumes that today's realities will continue into the future. And this is not feasible in an age where change and technological advances are getting faster. Managers who only look for ways to improve efficiency are limited in their outlook. It's that old analogy of faster horses you know, no longer relevant with the invention of the car. Leaders must retain a sense of curiosity and be able to move quickly and with agility to seize opportunities or to take advantage of new developments. I remember working with a great people manager a few years ago, and he said that there are two types of managers, those who try to say yes and those who try to say no. I thought that was fascinating. And the more I thought about it since, and even though it's quite a blunt approach, You know, mentally, I was categorizing different managers I worked with into the yes or the no camps. There's also the thinking that if you ask enough people for permission or input, you eventually come up against someone who sees their job as saying no. The thinking of many managers is, if I haven't explicitly been told yes, then I can't do it. More progressive managers and leaders say, if I haven't explicitly been told no, then I can do it. I suppose that's an expansion of the sentiment it is better to apologise than seek permission. But as ever with leadership, it's dependent on the context. Distinction number five is taking care of the people in your charge. So this is the second part of the quote that inspired today's episode. Leadership is not about being in charge. Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge. At a basic level, taking care is about being visible, approachable and willing to listen. If people are not coming to you with their problems and issues, It may be because you've empowered them to test their own solutions, which is great. However, in many instances, it may be because you are no longer leading them. They have either lost confidence in you or your leadership abilities, or they don't view you as approachable, or they've concluded that you don't care about them. Another reason which I've seen in organisations is that it may be because you implicitly perpetuate a culture 
uh, that interprets asking for help as a sign of weakness. In challenging times, and we've seen this over the last few years in particular, it's vital for leaders to be visible and available. People want to know that their manager is in their corner, is an active resource and has their back. Unfortunately, this is far from the truth in many organisations. As a leader, taking care of your people is having an interest in your people. What makes them tick? This is not just so that you can learn how to motivate them. It's a deeper human quality, one that is wrapped around respect and consideration for others. Today, of course, it also means watching out for people in your team who are struggling, perhaps with the pressures of the role and the impact that this is having on their mental health and well-being. As a leader, the role is also to be a sounding board for others, an official or unofficial mentor and coach. There might even be times too when the leader, the person in charge, is a bit of a punch bag, a focus for people to let off steam, for them to offload frustrations and concerns. I remember several years ago being involved in a project, you know, where a colleague would chew the ear of the manager, um, but the manager, rather than responding um, to what at times could seem like a tirade, uh, just seemed to take it on the chin. At the end of the project, he said to me that that person, let's call her Brenda, uh, was a great worker, passionate about her job, but she would get so wound up that he saw part of his role as allowing her to, to blow off steam. Because he said after the storm, the calm would return, you know, and she would be, be back to be a, you know, a professional, diligent worker. Uh, in today's world, of course, authentic leadership is a buzzword. Uh, bringing your best self to work, your whole self. But wearing my coaching hat, a good people manager will also coach their people as to what aspects of their best self is best left at home. And you can only do that when you know your people and their motivations and when your people know that you have their best interests at heart. So we're nearly there. Just two more points, two more distinctions on modern leadership to share with you. Uh, Tip number six is the ability to show appreciation. So the role of the leader is to create an environment that will attract, retain and unleash the best in people. We know people join organisations, but they leave managers. And the main reason they leave is because they don't feel valued or appreciated. Appreciation takes many forms, from the simple and zero cost thank you, to a willingness to listen and valuing input, uh, to completing performance appraisals, developing a coaching mindset and facilitating flexible working schedules, all the way through to monetary bonuses. In most cases, employees need to hear what they're doing right instead of constantly hearing what they are doing wrong. This is the quickest and the easiest tip I'm sharing today. We can act on it straight away by saying thank you, by firing off a quick thank you email or message that acknowledges someone's efforts. And perhaps that's something you can do when, uh, when you switch this podcast off. The final tip I'll share with you this week is what I call the true test of leadership. I close my leadership workshops and talks with this question more often than not. And the question is, how are your stakeholders, stakeholders, of course, being your clients, your people, even your board of directors, maybe, how are your stakeholders better off because of you? This is a big question. There's no quick answer to it, but it forces us to contemplate where we add value. You know, do, do the people you work with, would they say, well, because of him or her, I'm a better person or I've been able to find skills and talents I didn't know I had. They inspired me, you know, or if we are honest, would they say something else? 
this question gets us to ponder our legacy as leaders. So in closing this week, from my experience of working with leaders in a range of industries and at different levels of seniority, I've noted that great leaders tend to be positive, energised, optimistic and emotionally intelligent people with balanced egos and a genuine curiosity in others and the world around them. They have the ability to anticipate issues and challenges. They possess sound judgment that is rooted in a deep sense of integrity, whilst they also retain a results focus. They know how to get things done. Organisational charts and titles count for little when we are looking at pure leadership. If you have to use your title or status to get others to do something, I always feel you've already lost the argument. Real power is the ability to influence and inspire. Too many organisations extract minimum compliance to minimum standards rather than unleashing the power of their people by fostering leadership talent. Leaders who whine and play the blame game engender the same behaviour in colleagues. Great leaders effectively marry realism and optimism, certainty and hope. So the quote that inspired this week's episode was, leadership is not about being in charge. Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge. I'll close with another quote from the former US Secretary of State Colin Powell. He says, leadership is the art of accomplishing more than the science of management says is possible. I think that's a nice one to close with this week. So thank you for tuning in, my friends. And until next time. Thank you for listening this week. If you enjoyed this episode and have a moment, please rate, review and subscribe if you haven't already. And maybe you'd like to share it with a friend too. For more information about me, James Sweetman, my coaching services, workshops, books and for more podcast episodes, be sure to visit jamesweetman.com.